listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger, coming to you on Monday, the 5th of April. Same as usual, we've got Joe and Enrique. Um, it's going to be a little odd listening right now to the show because what we're doing, well, what I'm doing is, in addition to doing the podcast, I'm actually running a couple of characters through, in WoW, obviously, through different paths because we're getting ready for next week's Drunk Tart episode, wherein we are going to be taking teams. It'll be myself and Rick and Joe and Tart together, and we will be heading to the portal to Outlands in Blasted Lands. And so it's going to be a level one rush to get there. What we're going to do is we're going to give the each other an hour to get to the location, which means that if you want to spend a little bit more time getting leveling up for a certain skill that you'd get, say, at level two or whatever, you can do that and then head over. Timing so far, we've seen that both Alliance and Horde side, you're looking at between 35 to max 40 minutes kind of thing. It's actually fairly fast, so if you want to spend some of that time leveling up before you take off, then you can get those level 2 skills, which may help you, because what's going to happen is that once we get to this portal, or this step right here where I'm standing for people who are watching live, we are going to duke it out team against team, and so whatever happens, whoever's the last one standing will be the winner for that team, and there will be prizes. The winning team will each get a t-shirt, a I Survive the Drunk Tart fight t-shirt that I'll be footing the bill for and I'll send them out. And then what we'd also like to do is get audience members, if they'd like to choose a team and support them to join us. It's going to be on the War Song server. Okay. It is a PVP realm. So what I'm asking is that please don't Choose a faction just so that you can grieve the other side and make it harder for them because of that. Choose a side and basically run along with them and help them kill or or get aggro so that they don't have to get aggro and things like that. What I'm also going to do is for anybody who actually does join us, for everybody that's going to be here at the end, once we've finished it all, one random listener will also get a t-shirt that I will mail out to them. So that's it. It's going to be, like I said, next week on Monday, same as usual. It's going to be on the Warsong Realm. We're going to choose our factions at the very last moment. So basically, you're not going to know who, what tune to support or what faction you're going to be supporting if you're, I mean, if you're choosing us, you don't want to really choose Joe and, and Tart. <laughs> so that's what we're looking at doing. So I am hoping that we're going to get lots of people join us just so that we can have one hell of a blast next Monday. I think it will be fun. You know, lovers versus lovers. It'll be great. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except our asses are a lot tougher now, so we can take a whooping. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I, I have a galvanized but you whistle when you fart, so what does that matter? That has no bearing whatsoever on how we will do here. It'll just make it a lot noisier when we're jumping along. <laughs> so <laughs> the whistle tips go woo woo. <laughs> Wow. All right. Okay, that's so, that's our awful for the night. So that's it for the um the um just to, to let us know let you guys know what's going on next week. So as for this week regular show, um actually I was reading Joe that you got back in on uh, Eve online. Yeah, I um I actually got really really bored with Star Trek. Um and believe it or not it was from the fact that I couldn't build ships sure i could buy ships and fit them but i wanted to just build a really fucking huge ship and i couldn't do that so then i look back at eve and i'm like hmm new account new startup 14 dollars, 30 days free game time next month after that's 10 bucks yeah what the fuck i feel like building ships so i decided to pop back over created a new account created a new character and uh i'm a mining fool so my character is flying through space hitting every asteroid he sees and uh Eventually, I will amass the wealth of a small empire, and I will be a ship baron. Hmm. Okay. But, I mean, you were saying before that you were much preferring, like, the combat and everything in Star Trek Online versus EVE. Combat, yes, but it's the other aspects of the game that have led me to start it back up. Like, combat in, in STO is a lot more involved. It is a lot more active. It's a lot more participative. Um, so ship, ship combat's a lot more fun. Um, it's also easier to loot shit when you're done killing it. Um, but when it comes to wanting to do other things other than, you know, just random slaughtering, uh, STO falls short right now. I mean, there you want to play the auction house, so to speak, over there? Good luck. It's a bloody fucking mess. You want to build a ship? No, you can build components for ships, but that's about it. And th even then, that'll be lower quality than anything else that's going to be up on the market. Um I don't know, for like pure economics and for other aspects of space combat, like exploration and and uh, just mining and building and things like that, I much prefer uh, EVE Online. Hmm. Cool. All right. So what have you been playing, Rick? Um, I've been playing, Jesus Christ, Mass Effect 2 and WoW. I mean, I that's pretty much all I've been playing, and I have no complaints at all. As a matter of fact, I'm freaking out right now because um kasumi is supposed to be released tomorrow instead of the seventh if the trailer is to be believed so i'm kind of fitzing about that yeah that'd be and awesome. yeah oh, i'm like freaking out about it oh look fucking new stuff for mass effect 2 and other than that it's just been following a lot of games been following a lot of different games and otherwise just playing on my warrior on eridar or you know, playing through my eighth goddamn playthrough of Mass Effect. I got the thing down to a science. Like, I can do that shit without even looking. I swear to God, every time I load on, my daughter comes up to me and goes, you're playing Mass Effect again. I'm like, yes, I am. Why are you playing it again? You beat it. I'm like, well, there's different There's different outcomes. You know, there's different things you can do, different choices you can make. Yeah, but you beat it. So I'm trying to explain, you know, replayability. And then the wife comes in and asks the exact same question. You already beat that. Why are you playing it? So uh, I'm just yeah, not even going to bother anymore. Uh, really, that game, more than any game that I've played in, in quite a while now, has you're seriously getting your money's worth out of that game in terms of how oh, much yeah. time you're putting into it and how much enjoyment because of all the different uh, plot lines you can follow as well. You are really getting your money's worth out of that game. 
Yeah, that's that's the biggest. I do not like purchasing single player games for that that reason. You know, for the most part, if it, if I buy a game that does not allow me to have a multiplayer aspect to it, I want to get the most bang for my buck possible because I'm dropping 60, 70 bucks on a title. I want to play it too many times I've purchased a game and then I'll play through it. I'll get eight, nine hours, you know, maybe 10 hours. Ooh. And that's it. It's over. I don't ever pick the damn thing up again. I take it to GameStop or wherever the hell to trade it back in. and get something new. And that's just, that's boring as hell to me. And then there are other games that just draw shit out. You know, I don't know. I I'm loving this one that it's sweet. It's like that sweet spot, you know, where you can play the game, you go through however many hours you beat it. But there's so many different ways to get to the ending. And then once you're there, there's even so many different endings you can pick from. So it's just the possibilities are awesome. I've actually played through Mass Effect 1 again to uh, change a couple of things with my um, with my import. Actually, I was playing Mass Effect 1 last week too, but I was playing uh, my my yeah my paragon so i and again i was absolutely digging it really really enjoying it and i just cannot wait to import at, at least one whether it's the paragon or the renegade into two so that i can play the goddamn thing again because i'm dying to play it again it, it really was worth it and also because i'm reading the i've been picking up the comic books so um yeah like the comic book collection getting out of control here i've got like four now i've got, <laughs> <laughs> I've got um I, I picked up uh issue two and three for mass effect and i also picked up um issue one of dragon age origins which is kind of cool it was um i i really love the art style for it the story was it was well done although i they really didn't it's kind of stuff that you see in the game too with the relationship between the um the templars and, and the mage so it's really eh. and then um but then what i found was that the the comic book for that is actually published by ea so i'm thinking we're going to see a lot more comic books potentially um that are games so the um the, the, what I found, though, is that, and I don't know if it's maybe, I don't know if EA is new to doing um, comic books or not. I, I honestly don't. So it's it's hard to tell because, I don't know, and again, it's been a long time since I've read um, a comic book, but like literally the, and, and this is why like I was reading the story and I found it was somewhat short because it was literally 10 pages of ads at the end of the comic book. 10 pages. To me, that seems a little excessive. Like they could have spent well, that on the story instead. They should have, and they could have, but unfortunately, most comic books are starting to go that way now. I mean, oh, yeah. you open them up, and it's just like, well, Sammy can probably back me up on this. There's a bunch of them that you open them up that the entire back half or just like the entire middle section is just nothing but fucking advertisements. Well, that's what this was, which was a little disappointing because like the, the story felt rush. Now, granted again, this is the first one. So they're just doing setup. I'm sure it'll change later on, but it really felt like it was rushed. They could have spent a lot more time fleshing it out. But again, I, what the hell do I know about comic book development? So, but I, I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to, to reading more. And the mass effect one is actually quite cool too. I am enjoying it. So we um, this week, of course, was April Fools. So we saw a bevy of jokes, pranks, <laughs> just silly, just silly shit, just all everywhere. over the place, everywhere. My patience for it runs a little thin after a while. I mm-hmm. uh, not to sound like a, a, an old fart who just has no sense of humor because I do, I do, I really do. But when it gets to be too much, it's like okay, all right, cut it out. Enough is enough. Um, so I tended to actually avoid. <laughs> A lot of the sites just because it was 
okay, I get it. You're, you're trying to be cute. And, um, but some of the jokes actually turned out to be true. Like the one for uh, the, uh, the DLC for Dragon Age Origins, where you can get the dog cone of shame and the voodoo doll of Alistair to give to, uh, to What's-Her-Face. And, um, and so, but that actually turned out to be true. You can actually download that. And I think that's really that's awesome. That, that's one of the fun things about that day is there's so much crap that people are like, oh, God, fucking April Fool's. I'm so done. And then little honest, real things happen. And everybody's like, no, that can't be real. That's not real. And sure, shit, it is. And I thought that was hilarious with Dragon Age. Yeah. Um, I thought that was absolutely fucking hilarious. Some of the Blizzard stuff, too, like that pillow, the body pillow. Dude, I would buy that pillow. <laughs> it, it was cool. Oh. Speaking of the Blizzard thing, you know that whole EP and UI meter that they they brought yeah. in. There's a couple of folks somebody made one actually. Yeah, they made it in in real life. They made the add-on that it takes the value from Gear Score and puts it as a graphic of a you know a penis-shaped thing that hovers over your character's head. And and as your Gear Score goes up, it grows as well. That's rather disturbing. <laughs> yeah. God. The the Deckard Kane GPS was pretty cool, like Sammy's saying in the chat room too. I actually saved all the sound files, and I'm going to be playing them on this podcast when you listen to it on uh, either tomorrow <laughs> or Wednesday. Because yeah, those were actually pretty pretty awesome. I enjoyed them. Um, so other than that, again, it was the same old, same old. This week as well, we of course got the iPad release. And so then people started talking about the games that came out for it and whether or not um, it's worth it. What I read a lot of was that it is actually worth getting if there is a game that you own for iPhone or iTouch and you actually really did enjoy it, then it's worth getting the iPad version because it really does smooth it out so it's not so jagged as opposed to when you're using the magnifying um function mm -hmm. with the iPad. Um, they showed some screenshots of, of some of them, like the Plants vs. Zombies, which actually did make a huge deal, and it did look way better. Like That Plants vs. Zombie on the iPad looks awesome, dude. It just looks fantastic. Uh, the Mirror's Edge as well looked really, really cool. Um, and also, this there it is an MMO, it, but it's a um, limited in terms of functions, but it has all of the qualifications to be called an MMO, this Pocket Legends, which is actually free. Now, I haven't looked into it much. I'm assuming that they are charging for updates or for certain things that you can use in the game. Um, but I definitely want to check it out because it actually looks pretty cool. That was interesting. Did you did you wind up getting your iPad? It's not actually released here until the end of this month. Oh, so I would have had to drive to basically Buffalo to go and uh, pick one up. And uh, no, I again, and it's uh, I'm actually not 100 percent sure yet whether or not I am picking one up. Um, I, well, I'll be ordering one regardless because my daughter really wants one, um, but she's going to be using it as a pseudo computer as well just for the few things that she would need a computer for. Um, and then whether or not I pick one up, I, like I said, I haven't really decided yet. I heard that it works really well for the exact same applications that you would get like a netbook for. Like it's really good for doing email and for writing and a couple of other things just like for computery type stuff and whatnot. But um, I, I don't know, bro. I would hold out until the next the next little generation that they put out, the next um, updated series or version or whatever the hell. I mean this is – you know, the first release, it's going to probably end up having a lot of different bugs and whatnot. Not to mention it's fucking, what is it, $400 for the cheapest 
like yeah. lowest quality one. That's four. Yeah, sorry, five hundred dollars for something that only works on Wi-Fi and only has a sixteen gig. I don't know. That's well, let's, get, let's give it a, a, like a, like a month and a half, two months, and then they'll come out with something better. I don't think that the price is really that bad in terms of what you're getting. Now, I don't want to get into a whole iPad discussion. We've had that discussion, true, and, true. and I don't want to get into it. This was just to, in the same way that this is going to be a gaming console to a certain degree, same as all the other ones. I do want to bring up when there's something cool that comes out for it. Um, I don't have a problem with the price. I don't. Pr I, I, I certainly don't think the price is too inflated. Um, some of the issues that people are talking about with them are things that we had discussed before, which some of them I agree with, some of them I don't. It, um, in terms of what it does and what it does not have, in terms of whether or not some of those functions will be introduced in the next version, that we're not looking at a couple of months from now. Next version is going to take a lot longer than a few months to come out. Same as the different versions for the iPod and the the iPhone. We're looking at quite a while before right, it does. Right. So, and whether or not they'll put all that in, who knows? I mean, will they ever add USB ports to it? Will they ever add a camera to it? I don't know. I find it hard to believe that they actually would. See, right now, um, I I'm reserving honest judgment for it my uh one of my guildies actually happens to live in the same apartment building that i do um i know waited in line uh to get one and i'm fairly confident he got it because i haven't heard hide nor hair from him in a few days <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's cuddling it and calling it his precious um but it is I like the idea of a mobile tablet, which is really what it is, let's be honest. Um, and there are a couple points that were made about it that I think are really exciting. First of all, uh, e-readers are all the rage. Now, I personally would love to, to continue having books in my hand, uh, but when I'm traveling, if I want to bring multiple books with me, that's not always an option. Um, True. Another, another important thing is a lot of comic book companies are starting to really investigate in the digital media yep. format. And Thank things you. like... The iPad, the iPhone, um, the new Samsung one, the 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 notebook that's going to be coming out. Uh, that's the two-sided uh, touchscreen one. Um, they are making all sorts of of ways for you to get your comic books on these, and just books. PDFs and comic books in general, it's a great format to have them in. Why? It's light enough. You can turn it on its side. You can flip pages almost like you had the actual the actual comic book in your hand, and they don't degrade over time. So as long as you have a data copy, you have it. So I think that that's a really important selling point right now, too. Well, see, the thing with the price, too, is if you're looking at the price versus the price of a Kindle and then looking at everything on top of that that you get and the fact that you can get all the Kindle books as well in there, mm -hmm. um, again, it's really not that much. The thing with the books too is that you can actually import any book into there as well as long as it's in the EPUB format. And there are sites right now where all of the books that the copyrights have expired on them are available for free download. And we're talking thousands. I believe the site had something like 30,000. Yeah, and you can take. you can take those and you can slap them in and then read them. A lot of books are in PDF format as well that you can get. Well, you're not going to be able to import it into the iBook thing, but you can still read it on it and it will look fantastic. Like I have a a PDF reader app that I I actually paid for because it it's a really good one so that I can read PDF books on my iPhone. Well, Christ, it would be a lot nicer to be able to read that on the iPad. And for the comic books like you said as well, ironically they well they they uh, released the um, Marvel released a free app yep. so that you can get the comic books. Now, the they're selling them for a couple of bucks, which I think is a little high. 
but you're getting some for free apparently uh, who knows how often they'll do that but they're a couple of bucks then to um to buy each of them they look absolutely fantastic it's a really a slick app the beauty of it too is that if you are someone who actually wants to you know read the back issues um like starman did a live unboxing of his um his iPad that he picked up and he bought the Marvel. So we got to see him download it, install it, and then uh, go into it. And like Final Fan, or sorry, um, uh, Fantastic Four number one was there and he could have bought it for two bucks. So then all these classic ones, if it's something that you actually wanted to pick up, a couple of bucks, there it is, which is kind of sweet. Well, especially in uh, areas, and, and this is going to sound really stupid, but um, remote areas where there's not comic book shops. Uh, where you don't have the option to go in and order back orders. You have to order them online and hope they get to your house. Uh, it's a lot easier to walk into a, a, an Apple store or a licensed retailer and say, I'm going to get an, an iPad or go into another electronic store and get one of the other tablets that are coming out, download the application, and then pay a couple bucks for the application to get everything you want instead of having to wait for weeks and weeks and weeks and wait to hunt it down. Um, also, I should put this out there like, uh, I'm addicted to the Dresden Files book series. It's one of my favorite book series ever created by all mankind. Um, Jim Butcher does a fantastic job with it. It was released early for people that happen to have iPads and e-readers. Um, it was a little bonus for them from his publisher to say, here, thank you guys. So, I mean, publishers are starting to really look at that as well and say, you know what? Fuck it. Let's give them a little extra cookie. Let's give them the book early. You know, things like that. So, I mean, it, there's there's a lot of reasons to pick it up that are not gaming or application related but a lot of it having to do with education and reading yeah and they are really pushing with the education as well with uh, reference books as well that you'll be able to have again didn't want to get into too much um certainly don't want to appear as a, a fanboy or anything just looking at it as a gaming console or just a, a console with uh like the again the um the comic book app and whatever um which would be nice too like the um which we call it dragon age origins also came out in digital format that you can pick it up from the app store if you wanted to but it was what was it it was a couple of bucks to pick it up versus the 3.99 to buy the hard copy and i actually thought right. it'd be nice to have the hard copy of that one but that being said i've seen the videos now of people with the uh like using the marvel app and looking at the comics god damn does it ever look good yeah. <laughs> they shoot off the screen it looks fantastic and i think we're at that point where this is going to be we're, we're at a nexus gentlemen we're we're at the 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 event horizon of the bubble <laughs> technology yeah. is either going to explode from here or cave in <laughs> so moving on I, from I got the my money on exploding <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from there, we had some interesting Star Trek Online news, too. We were talking about that. Star Trek Online has decided to have an advisory council formed. Now, the yeah. thread for this started off, and it is now at 122 pages. I haven't read a lot of positive things. Go ahead, Joe. You can explain what it's all about. I, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I, I am completely confused by this concept, like completely taken aback by this. This is totally foreign for me. So I'm not confused. Yeah. I'm just and and going from some of the stupid things that they've done in the past. It's absurd. It's it really okay. doesn't surprise me. It's just one of those where you're looking at it and saying, are you really that out of touch with what a gaming company yeah. should be? Well, anyways, go ahead yeah. and explain. 
Okay, um, I'm going to read directly off from the site just because it gives the best description I can possibly give. And Star Trek Online Advisory Council is an informal group of Star Trek and gaming fans who have been tapped to provide input on the development of STO. Based on Earth in the Soul System, the council will also become ambassadors for their readers, viewers, and followers who want to provide suggestions and tips for how Star Trek Online's 25th century storyline might further evolve. Um, essentially what they're doing is they're taking fans, okay? They're taking people like you and me. Um, they're tapping them. People have been vocal on forums, people that have been uh, bloggers or writing about it and whatnot, talking about how things can change. And they're saying, hey, um, how about you guys just tell us what type of content you want? You know what? Better yet, just write it up. Tell us what we should put in the game. Oh, and uh, you're going to be figureheads for your entire community, so you're yeah. going to take the brunt of anything that goes wrong. Okay, look, I take a lot of shit writing for WoW.com. I mean, the hatred I get is absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait to see what type the advisory council for STO gets. I really can't well, because the they're going to have a direct <laughs> impact on the game. Yeah, but see, the thing, too, is that that, that vocal minority – is not always the most sane. These aren't the best judges of character or of, uh, like, their opinions of what the game is are rarely going to correspond with the majority of people who aren't wasting their time bitching about a product. They're, you know, you're, you're rarely getting good feedback from the loud minority. Oh, but that's what they're going to be using. And, and, and I forgot to mention, too, it's an unpaid position. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I'm not even certain that they're comping the cost for their their subscription or anything in result for this. I think they're still charging the money, but having them make content. I just want to I it's just weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is so upside down retarded. That is like pants on head retarded. It's a freaking <sighs> I need a pair of pants. Dude, I and, never and don't get and don't get me wrong, like Star Trek has the potential to be an absolutely phenomenal game. It's a great IP. They have some really interesting systems in the game that work a lot better for it than it ever did for Champions Online, just because the system is a little more bare or minimalistic. Uh, and that's kind of what you need to be able to flow through ship and person combat. But it's just really, guys, you have all of the stuff you could be tapping. You have all all of these books, all of this content that's there for you to use. I don't understand the advisory council. I honestly really don't. Is it a way just to make people feel safe and say, oh, my God, the company's actually listening to me? Uh, is it a way for you to just, you know, bolster your coffers? I don't know. I just I, I don't like it. I, the thing that I keep thinking about is. Yes, it's a good idea to be taking the opinions of your your player base, but within reason. When you start developing these council things, you're putting way too much into this, and you're giving these people far too much authority or the impression of authority than they should yeah. have over what's going to be going into your product, your game. It, it um, floors it feels <laughs> It, it feels it feels really desperate. It's like nothing we do is making them happy. Nothing we do is, is satisfying the players. Okay, now it's in your hands. Tell us what you want. And then when that inevitably falls apart or is lackluster or anything, anything that just now a new complaint comes up, it's going to be they've absolved themselves of blame because it's not their idea. However, now they've they basically made themselves look like a bunch of lazy asses who aren't willing to work to try to make it better. They're trying to have other people do it. That's well, I, I, I don't understand okay. it. 
Well, in here, I'm going to I'm going to I'll go ahead and uh, just a quick little story involving a space MMO. Um, we'll compare it directly to what happened in EVE Online when it first happened, first came out. A bunch of players decided they wanted to be pirates. They just wanted to go around and fuck with people. Um, yes, these are goons from something awful, but they wanted to be pirates and, and assholes nonetheless. What wound up Sounds happening good. was what wound up <laughs> happening was is the developers are like, wow, this is a great idea. Why didn't we do this? approached them and said fuck it you guys want to be an npc faction let's go for it and worked with them to create it and put it in the game and now it's there it's something that is present in the game and is perpetual but it was moderated by the ccp uh unlike this which is just a group of players that are like you could put whatever you want out here we'll take some of it and put it in the game i mean it's it's a little bit different like they saw how it worked they watched how it evolved they watched how it affected other players before they ever even touched it you know what I mean? So I, I don't right. know. This has the potential to fucking blow up. And if it does or when it does, uh, I'll, I'll probably laugh and sip my cognac. I don't know. <laughs> well, we also had some interesting news at um, Cryptic as well due to the restructuring. Now, we talked about Blizzard. this before. No, I'm not done there yet. I'm, I skipped ahead. <laughs> ah. Bastard. Well, it okay. made sense to talk about He's it talking about now. Our buddy. Yes, okay. well, we were talking about um, Bill Roper and what we thought may be happening with him because of this restructuring and whether or not he left or not. Well, turns out, no, he didn't leave. He got promoted. And Big so time. as it stands right now, uh, both Bill Roper and Jack Emmer- em- Emmert got um Promoted Bumped. and moved yep. up. Uh, right now, hold on a second. Bill Roper is what? Chief Operations Officer and no, sorry, Chief Creative Officer and yeah, Jack Emmert is Chief CEO. Operations Officer. So yeah, right. these boys got some pretty big bumps in their job right now. So they are more higher concept as opposed to hands-on with everything that's going on. This made me giddy when I read this. And the only reason that this made me giddy is because I said it before and I'll say it again. Yes, I'm a Bill Roper fanboy, but he definitely is one of those people out there that has his pulse on what gamers want. He is a gamer. He still games. He games multiple games that aren't even his. Tabletop, everything in between. He freely admitted this when we talked to him. So he knows what makes a good game. And for him to be bumped up to create the chief creatives off, creative officer, um, he's able to have a lot more direct input and say, guys, that's a horrible idea. We shouldn't do that. Or guys, that's a great idea. Why aren't we doing this? You know, they're putting him in a position of power where he can actually make a difference. Like a lot of people, like you said, we gave, they, they shot him flack for champions online. But what people didn't realize is that most of that was already in place before he ever got brought onto the project. You know, so he didn't have a, ch- a chance to really alter it like he would want to, you know. So this gives him a little more, a little more power, a little more leeway. So this gives me I'm eager. I'm eager to see what their next project is going to be, and I'm eager to see how this will affect future projects. The thing, too, is that I keep... It's a nasty world out there for Bill Roper online, because you visit some of these sites, and the things that come out of people's mouth, which is equivalent to what he said as well, that people were saying to him when um, Hellgate was going bad. And I I certainly don't want to appear as if I'm coming to his defense. I only don't know the man as much as... You know, we got to talk to him. But what's what's interesting is how people are so quick to judge to an opinion based on, you know, he wasn't he wasn't involved in a lot of champions online 
he came in far later on. And then the the stuff with Hellgate London, though, yeah, yeah it was an amazing clusterfuck. But when you start looking at the reasons why it failed and the reasons why you know all the behind which it was very nice to talk to him about that to get some of that input to find out why things were going wrong and things like that and we knew even beforehand that a lot of it was going wrong just because they tried to do too much and so when you take all that into consideration it gives you a different opinion of him and his abilities so then when people are complaining about um Anything that he does or saying, oh, my God, he's been promoted now, it's going to be even worse. No, you're, you're really not giving him much of a chance there to prove that what he can do. So I think this will be interesting to see the the extent of the of, of good things that he can do to influence other games and not to mention the other games that are going to be coming up for Cryptic as well. Indeed. And that's, like I said, that's my major point of excitement. I just want to see what this means for that company you know, as a whole, I want to see what their future projects are going to look like now. Yeah. And then more reshuffling. Well, not so much reshuffling. However, a big change at Blizzard, wherein Mr. Morheim is no longer the top dog. He's actually going to be reporting to someone now who then is going to report to the CEO for for Activision. That's fairly big. And they did not bring that out beforehand. It was just all of a sudden, boom, this is what's happening. Well, I wonder why he's. I, I I have no idea why they would do that though. That's strange. Control. That's, exactly. He, think about I, think about I, it this way, but like Blizzard is a cash cow. All right. It honestly, honestly is. And of all the Activision uh, companies or games that they have IPs under their hood, um, I mean Tony Hawk, Guitar Hero. Um, Call of Duty. Um, these are their major players, and that's what they're focusing on right now. They're focusing on, um, you know, making sure that they have direct control over all of their cash cows, because that's really what it is. Um, I feel bad for Morhan because I mean, I've shaken the man's hand. He's a cool dude. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how he's going to react to it. I'm sure he he did it with a certain amount of grace, but I don't like these other two executives i don't like Kodak. i don't like his choices i don't like what he does i don't i, I don't know i have th this is a bad feeling in my gut boys it really is because it makes me wonder how much control they're going to try to ultimately assert over the company it's because they're taking something that wasn't broken to begin with and they're trying to fix it right and and i we've seen that happen in the gaming industry in particular so many different places and it never ends well at all in any way shape or form it just makes things break it it really does there's no there's no other way to say it i haven't seen maybe somebody who does research a lot better than me can can call me out on it whatnot and show me an example but i have not seen an example of a restructuring that has gone on in a gaming company that has mm -hmm. saved the company or made the company more profitable or better i, I can give you one example of that and again it's going to go back to blizzard Blizzard shut down portions of themselves and consolidated to a restructuring, oh. and it made them even more profitable. Even right now, this is interesting to me, too, that they're restructuring in such a way because Blizzard itself uh, just recently subdivided a little bit, actually. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the news about the collectible card game that was posted about yeah. two yeah. weeks ago. Because of Upper Deck. 
because of Upper Deck's bullshit, which it was bullshit, yes. Blizzard said, fuck this. We're going to make our own company. We're going to found our own company and we're going to do it ourselves. And they did. Um, and they've also re- they've restructured themselves slightly with the companies underneath so that while these are still sort of semi-autonomous units, um, you know, they're they're still underneath them. So, I mean, they just divided out. And now Activision is like, well, fuck this. And now they're starting to put their divisions out and all things like that. It, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's restructuring on top of restructuring. And I'm just waiting to see the shit pile just keep piling on because that's where I see it going. Well, it's um, see, I think that uh, Blizzard changed a lot when um when a large portion of the group, like including Bill and everybody took off. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. it changed a lot at that point. And I think it's going to be changing a lot as things like this are happening more and more, which is, I mean, that's a lot. This is a big change. So I think that as they do more of that and they get more and more swallowed into the Activision machine, I think that it's not always going to be positive. It's not always going to be a good thing. And we may very well see a lot more of the creative talent from Blizzard not wanting to put up with it and taken off in the same way that the others did. Well, all I know is the minute I start seeing Pepsi signs and saying I fucking World of Warcraft, I'm going to have somebody's head on a goddamn platter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay, let, let, let's not enter that specific conversation. Let's, let's save that for another day. Or even the drunk tank talking about in-game advertising. I we I, I don't know about you guys. I, oh, I know Joe hates it about as much as I do. I'm pretty sure Roger. There's only a, a, a few times when I've seen where it could work. Most of the time, it does not work. It's 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 it doesn't fit into that world. However, when you were looking at um. Anything, when was the last one? Hold on, I'm trying to... Anarchy Online did it well. Yeah. See, it's something that, um, like, Hellgate could have done well with the ads plastered along the subway walls because you would expect ads to be on subway walls. That kind of thing, where if it's something like that, then I don't have an issue with it. It's when it is something right out of nowhere that has absolutely no place there that I don't... uh, I've got no use for. But, I mean, a case in point, again, a game like um, uh, Burnout Paradise, where you see the ads on billboards and whatnot. That, again, to me, works. I don't have any issue. Exactly. So it's I don't think it's a one rule fits all kind of in this case. It it does greatly vary on the the type of game that we have. Also on um, the Blizzard front, we found out that uh, Yannick's left. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, that hurts. He's he's a really cool guy. I just want to say this. I've I I actually met him at BlizzCon. He's an awesome guy. He actually looks um like a childhood friend that I have. They they're like you know separated at birth. It was really really freaky. I went up to him and I said you know tried talking to him like I knew this guy and he goes who the hell are you and then it was oh oh crap you're Yonix you know you're the guy with all the tattoos and whatnot badass but. <laughs> Yeah, at least he didn't pull a Seric, which was very cool. That that came up in conversation too. You guys remember what happened to to Seric? Yep. The other the CM? the public meltdown. That was awesome. <laughs> that, was, that, that was the best. That was like the the birth of the nerd rage for me. That was the first time I actually saw a public rage. You know, like you know, when a married couple has has a scene at the restaurant. Yeah, it was you know. Bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly how that was. It was just so cool to read. I was like, man, this guy's totally having a meltdown on the fucking forums. When you look at what they have to put up with, though, I would do oh, the same. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I've heard some stories about Cesaro, so I'm not going to say much. But 
like with Yonix leaving, um, nobody really knows why. It's not very public right now. Like with with Tesseric, you knew it was all out there. It was just congratulations. This is why I'm fucking leaving. Screw you all. Two middle fingers up in the air. Fuck you. I'm going home. Yeah. Um, nobody talks about it at Blizzard HQ. Apparently, like nobody yeah. mentions it's, his name. It's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 the pink elephant. Um, yeah. But like Eonix leaving was a shock because I mean, and and Mike Sacco uh, from Wild.com I think said it best. He was one of the good guys. Uh, Eonix was not a jackass. He would participate in forum discussions in a constructive manner. Um, he didn't get flamed like some of the other CMs. Like you nope. look at some of these CMs and you see the hate they get. Eonix really didn't get much. You know why? Because he, I mean, he respected the player base and the community. And for whatever reason, the normal asshat rule did not apply to the community. And they respected him back. I mean, he didn't bullshit. He didn't give cockamamie answers. He just, what he knew, he said. And that was it. And he was. He was one of the good guys. And I really don't. I don't know how it's going to how the numbers are going to show up. Like, I don't really go to the forums. I don't visit the community very much anymore because the only thing worse than wow.com comments sometimes is the forum trolls and the forum trolls are really fucking bad. But, you know, I, I would always go to see stuff like Yonix would have a thread up or he would reply to a post and it would show up in my tracker and I'd go, oh, shit, let's go see what he has to say. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Him leaving is is bad. <laughs> Well, it, yeah. it, here's hoping that they find somebody else who is equally competent and good because it is a different, very difficult role to fill. I mean, you are dealing with an absolutely terrible community and you have to do it in a professional manner that treats everybody well because it's not something where you can be an asshat on the forums to everybody. You have to. There has to be a certain level of professionalism. Well, and you were a forum admin for God, how many years you said? <laughs> Over ten. So, yeah, yeah. I, that's why. I can, and and like they paled in comparison to this. And even then, it was like, oh my God, you guys suck. I've had it with you. <laughs> so yeah, I can be a drama mama with the best of them. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, the, um, also sticking into WoW just briefly, uh, we've got, of course, Noble Garden is going on right now. I had completely mm. forgotten about it until I popped in game just to do some randoms and then one of the guildies was talking about having to get all the eggs and I thought, oh my God, I remember hating this one <laughs> when I did it last year. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I, 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 I remember the Wow Dogs episode where you discussed this. <laughs> okay. this, was back, this, was, this was way back when, when oh, I was still yeah. getting to know the beast that was Roger. I was just a fan. I was just a listener and not anything else. And- to see it. What's happening is that people are camping out where the eggs spawn. So you have either the, the character or more often than not the rabbit um, who is then camping out for a fucking egg and they're not moving and now some of these people are getting annoying about it and what they're doing is they are if they are say a druid going in bear form over top of where the egg spawns so that people can't get it from them i've seen shamans dropping totems um so that you can't see the egg amongst all the mass and so it's just it's just not cool for Cory Six. It's a pain in the ass. There's, like I said, there's people camping out everywhere. Now, when I started this, and I am only doing it on the one character, because there's no way in hell I'm going to waste my time on another one. I, I would love the title on my DK, but I don't think I'm going to put myself through that, especially with Children's Week right around the corner. Um, the thing is, is that if you 
are, are, are waiting in one spot and you've got your little zone that you guarded out there, well, A, you got to be afraid of the ninjas just coming by, scooping by and getting the egg. So you're literally not taking your eyes off of the screen, which means you are paying $15 a month or whatever it is that you pay to stare at a wall or a rock or a shrubbery or whatever. Literally, that's what you're paying for, okay? That's not fun. Whatever they may think about this achievement, about this this world event, it's not. You're making us pay to stare at something intently, not take our eyes away, lest we miss our chance at an egg. Not cool. I, I finished mine already. This is this is the last red letter day. Today in the morning was the very last time I will ever, ever on any character do the Noble Garden yeah. uh, holiday ever. It'll never happen again. I talked to my wife and she says, I do not want to fucking touch that. I did it last year with one of my characters. I'm not doing it ever again. I said, okay, honey, good job. I did it this time. I'm never doing it again. And they made it really stupidly easy this time they kept everything oh. exactly the same except the eggs respawn like bam dude the eggs respawn instantaneously. oh not that fast i was in oh, for uh, me they were. i was outside um which one in azurmus and uh it was not that fast it was and granted and there wasn't even that many people there and it was still um it would take a while for the um, the respawn of the eggs. So yeah, no, I, I and I again, I absolutely detested it last year, and this year is no different. I I oh, I, I'm not even sure if I'm gonna finish it in all honesty because I was gonna do it on my druid that I'm playing now, and it's like oh my god, if 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 I have to do this all over again, I may have to stab myself in the face with a dull spoon. Well, Bro, and they're go, go, just go to Karanos, Karanos, however you pronounce it, the dwarf place. They, yeah. There's like those little short shin-high fences of stone that they had. There's like two spawn on each one of those. There's like they're all over the damn place. I went there last night. I got like 400 eggs in about an hour. It was just I, maybe I was just in the zone or something. But yeah, it's very easy there. As you missed, they blend. I don't know. Joe, Joe was going to say something. I'm sorry. I was going to say, they, but it is it is the same thing that they did last year, too. It's just, I mean, you can camp a spawn of an egg, one egg, and just camp it and spend like an hour doing it and get everything you need. And that's a little meh. So, I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I fucking hate Blizzard holidays right now. I really, really do. Because, again, as much as they're changing things, it's still all the same that it's always been. And this is no exception, even though they made it easier to get everything you need to get the achievements. It's, it's just the same crap. I will never, ever, 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 ever do another holiday, like achievement thing on any tune ever. I got my fucking horrible purple Drake. I will never fucking touch a goddamn holiday again because it's just, it's bullshit trying to find eggs, fighting for eggs, camping eggs, um, waiting for, you know, Anything to spawn that you need, you know, one specific thing that you need to get your perfect achievements. I mean, it's just, it's, it's done. It's over with. Well, those, just one thing I want to add in, dude, there was a comment on my site because I wrote about it and it was pretty snarky because obviously I agree with Joe. I feel the exact same way. This this is fucking bullshit. You know, you guys are trying to make something nice and flavorful for, you know, a little, little flavor bit, you know, nothing special. Oh, this is all just for aesthetics and for fun and for, you know, the ultra casuals, whatever you want to say. 
But um, like this guy suggested, oh, it'd be cool if there was a boss or something. Oh, well, yeah, man. How awesome would it be if they just added a cave to Goldshire with this demonic, just really fucked up looking Easter bunny that you had to raid against? <laughs> I just thought, man, that'd be cool, dude. That would, that would just be awesome as hell with all the little... You look on, on some of the artwork that the art team does for, you know, for Blizzard, and you see some of the cool little sketches they do on their site. I'm thinking, damn, a demonic, horrible, evil, fell Easter bunny that drops... Yeah, why not? just this most fucked up looking gear, you know, like this giant weapon with, it's like a giant spike pike weapon with, uh, with the head of a, of a pink bunny rabbit on the end of it. And it's just, I, I can imagine all this hilariously ridiculous shit that would fit with the tongue in cheek kind of jokiness that is blizzard, you know, cause we all know that Warcraft isn't super serious, but whatever. I just think they need to switch that up, man. They got to make it more, make it funny, make it fun. If they, if they're going to make it so ridiculous to begin with, at least make it fun. What I found is that I, I'm trying to think back to every single um, holiday right now. And again, each time I think about it, same as last year when I did that Wow Dogs, I really do think that the Noble Garden one is the one that I hate the most. I absolutely do. And nothing brings out angst in players like when someone ninjas your egg seconds before you get there. <laughs> Even split seconds. You will be so mad at that person that you will like mouth off to them and say, that was mine it was it's terrible and it's an egg for christ's sakes but yeah no i absolutely absolutely detest it i i will be happy when it's done i like i said i haven't yet decided whether or not i'm doing it but uh but yeah i will certainly be happy when i am done that crap i think we should move on before the rage keeps building because bu- yeah <laughs> Yeah, okay, we can do that. Uh, We have some uh, Final Fantasy XIV news, actually. There was was the leaked manual parts as well as the video. Rick, which one do you want to tackle first? Um, You know, let's do the video because that's the first one that's... that's And it's awesome. And it is is awesome. awesome. (laughs) A lot of people are are trying... Oh yeah, the, the, the three. Oh, did you see the translated though? Like translated into English? Exactly. What is it they're saying? No, I didn't. I asked. Uh, oh my God, it's a fox on Twitter. I, or I, I, I figured what it was, but if I uh, I have on the link on Spooncraft, I put at the very end underneath the actual video is the translated notes that tell you exactly what it is that they're saying. But um, it's just a lot of folks are saying, "Oh, this is crap. This is just HD Final Fantasy Eleven," and it's like, dude, the game isn't even in alpha yet. And it looks gorgeous as hell. It looks beautiful. You know, it's... Yeah. I, I, and, and I'm not a huge Final Fantasy fanatic. Um, quite obviously, not that I have anything against the series, but I'm not a fanatic. But a lot of what I'm reading and a lot of what I'm seeing, it is different than what we've seen beforehand. It is different than what we're expecting from other MMOs coming up as well. It, they're doing a lot of things that sounds like it'll be something that is actually fun, as long as it's not going to be a grind as well. Well, and I think, here's the thing. Oh, go, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that they got it the formula right this time. At least I hope they do. Uh, Final Fantasy XI was a huge success, but it was a huge grind fest. And I mean, that was the big complaint that everybody had. Mm-hmm. And well, I think that this time around, at least I'm hoping that they're going to look at that and say, well, we can do better and have a little bit of a, a, a Western audience more in mind when they make it. Well, that's the thing. You hit a right, you basically hit the nail on the head. The biggest thing with Square Enix as a company is they, they don't follow the norm. 
you know, I mean, they just they don't care about the market research. They don't care about what like World of Warcraft is doing right. They don't care what other game, other MMOs are doing right if they're making an MMO. They're just going to do their game how they want to do it. You know, there's a lot of design, what I would personally consider design flaws, such as, for example, you cannot, as far as the alpha is concerned, invite another player if they're not in the same zone as you, you know, which doesn't seem to make any sense. It's not a technical, you know, hurdle that they need to jump. There's, it makes that that's a design choice. And that's stupid to me personally. But it's just they they're making a game how they want to make it and they are going to make something that is different and that by itself may be a novel enough idea to well, make it worthwhile and i will say this um any game that has an eastern centric company um designing it especially japanese game companies i don't know what it is but they refuse they absolutely positively refuse to use a game engine uh that they have not built from the ground up and you can see this in every game that square enix puts out the reason it takes so long for it to come out between uh each iteration is because they recreate the game engine from scratch and it is a very eastern idea whereas in the west game companies are like fuck i'm just gonna use ogre screw this i'll just load it up in ogre and call it a day uh, i can concentrate on story and make the game look pretty i mean i don't know like that's the one thing i am concerned about is that they're going to try to make it too much of a unique snowflake well i've been reading pretty down like let me just go i've been reading religiously like a freaking zealot um <laughs> the, the the leaked alpha uh, notes. I, I don't want to say notes because it's just it's the manual. Manual. Okay? Yeah, I have it too. Yeah. Well, I got part one and I finally got part two just the other day because part one gets cut off at a certain you know a certain uh, section and then you're kind of left wondering. But there's a whole nother page, a whole nother Google document that I have yet to update on my site. But you know I have it here. I think I sent it to Roger. Yeah. Um, you, you weren't on AIM, Joe, so I, I didn't send it to you yet. But um, it's very interesting how they are tying in a lot of certain aspects that we take for granted, uh, flight points, for example, and they're making it work with the lore of the game. And they're basically building the game up, uh, features of the game, aspects of the game, into what we normally take for granted with things such as World of Warcraft or Champions or, or even Ion at some point, you know, whatever. Just these different mechanics, like we understand flight points, for example. A flight point is a flight point. Right, you're supposed to get on an animal and, and fly. It's just, it's fast travel. They didn't have that in Final Fantasy XI. They didn't have. They had some really annoying ass system where you had to rent. And I'm not gonna rant about that shit. But um, <laughs> now apparently, they have like this aetherite is the whole. You know, think of it like the force. It's it's your magic. It's 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 the element you know it's like the core of whatever the hell's going on in the world right not to cut you off but when you read the word aether did you cringe even just a little bit was there like a little ion cringe that kind of went oh oh that hurt there was there there was a little okay little but okay go ahead it's it's interesting though bro because okay when you hear if you die you don't corpse run you have to either just sit there and get resurrected or you have to resurrect back at where you put your safe point your home point right which happens to be an aetherite crystal and you're thinking fuck but then you know you read more and you think okay well there's going to be these crystals there's going to be these uh, aetherite camps all over the place imagine instead of a graveyard in wow they just named it an aetherite camp 
and that's where you would res. That's where your quest hub would be. You could actually teleport yourself through from hub to hub. Those are your flight points. Those are where you start your quests as well, your guild leads. That's where you begin your quest and you register yourself to that area. So if you're done with the quest and you're done with this big epic chain, you can choose to be instantly ported back like a town portal thing from Diablo 2 to that hub. Or you can use your own hearthstone kind of cooldown mechanic to do that. And it's just very interesting how they got that working. You know, it's like you get from one node to another node across the world, instant travel. You don't have to do a flight path. You just, bam, you're there. You're instantly teleported wherever it is that you have been before, whatever camp you've been to before. And there's a lot of other different things in the in the, in the the manual. I, I'll, I'll make sure that I, I write it for the For the Lore website. I was going to actually do that tomorrow. So I'll put those up there and I'll share them with uh, with Sammy as well because he's asking in the in the chat room. But uh, there are some things that you kind of cringe when you look at, but there are other things that you look at and you go, okay, this is a twist on something that I'm used to and it seems like it may be interesting. Uh, there's no auto attacking, for example. Yep. They, you have it's to, very participative. Yes, you have to click a button if you want to punch. And you have a meter for your left hand. You have a meter for your right hand. So you can independently control the actions and abilities and spells and whatnot with each hand. If I have a shield in, in, in my offhand and a sword in my main, I can choose while I'm planning out and while I'm, while, while I'm using my, my attacks or my sword, I can simultaneously be using different kinds of attacks or different kinds of strategies with my shield. So it's very, very cool the way that they're working that, and that has a lot of potential for some very, very different kind of combat than what we're used to. Again, that, that part excites me because that was one of the things I liked about Dungeons & Dragons Online. I liked the idea that you had to participate in the combat. You couldn't just set it and forget it. Um, like we do, we used to be able to do when we were max level and leveling weapon skills and, and yes. wow. Um, the other thing that concerns me though about the game is they, they made this big to do about Final Fantasy 14 will have no levels. You are not going to level. There will be no experience points. You will just earn skills and you will level through skills and skills will be everything. And then I got the manual and there's levels and experience yep, points yep. right now, which yeah. I was looking forward to skill based uh, gaming because Eve does that and Eve does it really friggin' well. Um, you know, I a, a little bit differently than I can log out a game and have a queue going for a couple days and, you know, max out skills. But the idea of earning points for skills to level is very uh, Cthulhu uh, tabletop RPG style where you use a skill, you get a certain number of points and it might go up. You may earn more skills, skill points to spend in that slot. I thought that would have been incredibly interesting. Perhaps it would have been a little too complicated for the MMO scene. Maybe. Um, especially with one that's going to be as active and what seems to be as action oriented as it's going to be with combat. But at the same point, it's like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I want to, to, to free myself from the oppressive shackles of leveling. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I was looking yeah. forward to it. The thing with, with leveling, you look at it from a design standpoint. I mean, if I was a game developer, right. And I was building a game, I don't want to put a grind Right. Because everybody hates the grind, especially with this particular title that we're all coming with the fallout. We all have the, you know, the battle wife syndrome from Final Fantasy 11, where we don't want to be grinding for hours and hours. However, when you level up, it feels good. When you ding, it feels good. When you hear the little the little, you know, victory mantra that everybody knows from Final Fantasy, you know, it sets off a good feeling when you reach the goal of, you know, hitting a level up or whatever you think. Yeah. You know, you feel good because you feel like you've accomplished something. 
However, there is that grind. It's like that could backfire because then it's like I just hit a level and now I go, oh my god, look at this just unhealthy amount of grinding I'm going to have to do to get to the next level. And that can really have a major setback. What you mentioned with the Cthulhu tabletop and all the other, just that general concept where you skill up whatever weapon. If I, you know, it's it's a certain sense of realism that you have. And if I'm chopping wood, I'm going to suck at it at first. If I chop wood for two years, I'm going to be a goddamn badass at chopping wood. You know, that's the kind of concept that I would love to see in this game. But remember, it's still pre-alpha. It has to still be a game, right? Yeah, it still has to be a game, you know? Like, it has, it's got to be the thing where you got to have a realistic expectation, right? I mean, if I'm gonna lo- if Roger's going to log on for 30 minutes, he's got to have something to do. If he can't do a guild leave, if he can't do whatever, well, you know, he, he gained a level. He dinged because he was about to ding or whatever, so that gave him his accomplishment for the 30 minutes that he was on there, you know? And the fact that the physical level, unlike Final Fantasy XI, um, doesn't get affected. So if I level up as a gladiator... And I hit level 20, and then I suddenly decide, you know what? I want to be a caster. I just equip a staff or whatever the hell, and I'm still level 20, but now I'm a caster. I just have really, you know, I have, I've, I'm have, i a shitty caster, but I'm still my level 20 character with whatever else that comes with, whatever boosts and boons that comes with. What I thought was really cool, which I hope they don't change, is that you will still be able to use your abilities that you learned as long as the weapon supports it. So if you leveled up uh, Joe as a caster and you uh, knew all these healing spells and suddenly you wanted to be uh, like, like the monk, like the fist-fighting Pugilist guy, you could still cast your healing spells. You know, yep. there, were some, there were some unique things that, that are class-specific you cannot cast, but maybe like a buff or a shield or a region or whatever, you could cast that. It would be weaker. It wouldn't be as potent, but you could still pull it off. That is very, very cool because that just means that now they've – made every class really diverse. They've made them all f- play real nice with each other, and you can have some crazy fucking combos, crazy unique combos with that. It has a lot of room. And again, you said it yourself, it's it's still, you know, alpha, pre-alpha. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, last thing that uh, we're probably going to touch on for a little while, but just because it's a, an interesting discussion as well. The uh, There was a dev blog entry for Star Wars The Old Republic. Now, this was interesting because the uh, person who wrote it, which is the principal lead designer, system designer, Damien Schubert. Yeah, Damien Schubert. Schubert. Yep. It was interesting because he was talking about, now this is someone who's worked on um, MMOs quite a bit, so he was talking about what the expectations are for from a, a gamer's perspective now in terms of what they would prefer, whether or not it is an open world sandbox kind of concept or something that's more scripted and will guide the player more in terms of what is expected of them. So they it, it's more restricted and not as much of a sandbox experience, but more so something than scripted so we can look at something like apb that's going to be coming out which is going to be far more script or sorry uh, far more sandbox sandbox, uh, with very little scripting however how long is that going to hold people's attention versus something like um, i don't want to say this because this is going to be a nice blend in the middle if we are listening to what he's saying but something say like star trek online which is far more scripted with the episodic content so then uh, what I, I was I was interested to see what you guys felt, if you are more leaning towards one or the other, or what you thought about what he's saying about trying to get to that happy medium between them. If from if well go ahead, go, you go ahead. You, you sure? Yeah. All right. I, 
I I haven't been. I'm not really all that excited about Star. You know about about the Old Republic. Just it's, it's no no surprise to anybody. But um, I really really liked that article. I mean, you could tell that it was being a little bit biased. He was talking very very positively and obviously. Come on, man. He's talking about his game. He's gonna talk it up. But uh, he made a very good point because the one thing that you didn't mention just now, Roger, was that there's a third. There's community. Okay, you got the game, you got the world, you got the community. You mentioned APB. APB is what I'm familiar with, so I'll just use that as my example. APB is a real sandbox kind of game. You know, they give you the world. It's it's they give you an area with very very loose direction you know it's not very stringent they're not guiding you through a game they're not giving you a game and giving you hoops to jump through they're saying here are all the tools go make your own hoops the biggest way to make that successful is if you have a really really strong community because then you actually will have people participating you will have people you know making the game that they'll they'll you know pick up the the slack where where you left off making the game now putting something down the middle where you have a world that has its limitations has very good gameplay, has very good balance and all this other stuff, but it still has enough room for exploration and it still has all the different things you're allowed to do in a sandbox where you can do whatever the hell you want to do, like those pirates uh, from Eve that uh, that Joe was talking about earlier, you know? You have to have a certain level of freedom. That's the point of us playing these virtual worlds. It's not... It's not governed by rules, you know. People play GTA 4, they run over a bunch of hookers on the sidewalk, and it's funny. You do it in real life, and the guy's going to get the death penalty and sodomized horribly and, you know, in prison and whatnot. So it's like you got to you gotta start – you got to have that middle ground. If Star Wars The Old Republic pulls this off, I, I, I would be very excited because I want every freaking MMO to have something like that. I, I don't like the games that are strictly just, you know, the game. Very, 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 you know, no room for, for – um, to explore shit like that, you know, like Ion, you know. Ion, you couldn't explore you had the game, you had your quest, you had your rules, you did it, that's it. There wasn't much else that you could do. Not much in the way of role-playing, not much in the way of exploration, not much of anything fucking really. you know. But we have a nice middle ground that they're aiming for. And um, if Bioware's doing it, bro, I have no doubt that they're going to hit the mark. Here's, do you really think that Bioware, like in terms of what we've seen from Bioware, though, from um, with Dragon Age Origins as well as Mass Effect, that's not a sandbox field. That's not, that's, that's certainly not, that is entirely scripted. See, it's when I'm reading something like that. Now, it's obviously, I'm not trying to speak ill of them or say that I don't hope they pull it off. I, I sure do. However, the one thing that we've noticed with their games is that they are far from sandbox. It is far far more scripted so for them to be trying to to get to the middle ground i think that they it's going to take a lot for them to be able to do that simply because everything they've done until now has been so scripted i i hope that they have the community to pull it off first of all. and I'll, I'll shut up in a second so joke because I'm, i know i'm interrupting constantly but <laughs> it, remember man with dragon age with dragon age and with mass effect they had a specific story that they wrote that they wanted to tell they had a specific plot you know, whatever it is they were going to do, they had this story and they were going to tell you this story. They had this trilogy for Mass Effect and they were going to tell you that trilogy and they just wrote it nine different ways and you just had to figure out which one of those stories you wanted to hear. That's that's how I feel Dragon Age and, and Mass Effect works. You know, they give you, you know, the story that they've written. This is hopefully something different. But there's they're going to be doing the same thing as well with the Old Republic. The Old Republic is going to have stories as well that are things that they want to tell. To me, this is absolutely no different 
than being a GM and running a game of Dungeons and Dragons or opening up a book and running a pen and paper game of any sort, because this is the exact thing that you try to do as one of those people, as a GM, you try to create a world that can exist within the rules with a certain amount of scripting because you need to guide uh, the characters and the player characters to a certain goal. Um, but you also need to allow them the certain freedom in order to uh, explore the world and, and kind of develop themselves in a certain way. Um, I think that is the, that is a very important balance that I think game companies do need to um understand and i think that these guys that are starting to make games now these are the old gamer geese these are the guys that ran dungeons and dragons and and things like that uh and i think that if anybody can do it it's going to be this current generation of game makers but that's what i see i see it no different than anybody who's created a world and tries to run it on a tabletop did you have a zergling <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry dude. totally totally <laughs> off topic and totally i mean we're gonna go to our break but i just noticed that man i hate you that's I, I one of the you, uh, i thought you were cool i thought you were cool but you know what you're just another asshole like everybody else oh come on you don't like the circling <laughs> no i want one but Isn't you see cool? I've, i i got the burning i got the burning crusade collector's edition i got the the wrath collector's edition i do not i could not get the freaking original collector's edition, and there's no way I can because the only way to find it is on fucking eBay or Amazon, and I don't want to shell out like six hundred goddamn dollars for an in-game zergling. Yeah, I, I hate uh, you. I like it. It's very it. fun. Yes. <laughs> I didn't figure we'd actually take a break this episode simply because we are going to be cutting out in a few minutes, anyways, for the post show. Oh. You boys have both got to go, so I figured that would be the end of the discussion with the uh, the Star Trek stuff. There is can one we talk last. About can we talk about Tremors? Well, I guess we can. But first, we're talking about Pokemon. If you have Soul Silver or the other bad one, Hard Gold, if you check your, um, if you have the Pokedex and you check, there's a mystery gift that you can get, and it will unlock a new path that you can walk upon with your Poke Walker. Now, this may sound like completely dorky. I don't. I don't care. I've been playing this and having a blast. You know what's funny is that we've gone from carrying around Game Boys that looked like crap to the Game Boy Advance that looked a little bit better to the DS which looked marginally better and then the PSP that looks phenomenal and then the iPhone that looks great and now the iPad that looks phenomenal and now you know what I carry around with me more than anything else? The freaking <laughs> Poke Walker thing that's like black and white and you can like play games on there too and catch Pokemon and, and catch yep. rare items and things like that. I play with that more now than I do my other portable devices how sad is that <laughs> okay you, you can go ahead at all. you could talk about your thing now no i was gonna say man that that is totally sad you, you're a grown man with a freaking uh, with a pokemon theme pedometer strapped to your whatever you're I, just I jealous I, I cannot, no, I, I'm jealous because when I used to play Pokemon, I would love to just strap that to the dog and have him go run laps or something. That, well, that actually, been. it's funny because, obviously, that, I'm you? not, I'm not. no, I don't want the dog to chew it up, I, but I'm not running around. And uh, But what you can do is, literally, if you are just waving your arm around, it looks like you should be on the old Arsenio Hall. Woot, 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 woot. And, um, but yeah, you can do that. And so I'm driving around in the car, and that's what I'm doing with <laughs> Anybody watching thinks I'm absolutely insane. The lanes open up. 
the, the ultimate, the ultimate and lazy. Just strap it to an to to like a fan, like an oscillating fan. You know what? <laughs> just, I was gonna just, just I was going totally. They want you to be healthy. They want you to go run outside. They want your kids to go out and play and whatnot. Screw that shit, man. Just put it like onto the fan in the ceiling. No, I was gonna put it on the metronome. I was just gonna put it on the metronome. Yeah. <laughs> you put it on the metronome while you're sleeping. You wake up and it's like I caught twenty new Pokemons oh and they all leveled up. Look at that shit. Yep. I just ran a marathon. Okay, go <laughs> go ahead no, with I, the video. I, talk. I, I, it, it was the last. It was the last second thing. This little Tremors. You guys, you guys like the movie Tremors, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. It, it was the very last second, right before the show started. I added it into, into the show notes. They they made a flash game on Newgrounds about Tremors, and it is just fucking addictive as hell. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot, a lot of fun to play. Yeah, hopefully, Roger puts the sh- the, the yeah, link I'll in the show. Yeah, put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's and it's they spell it differently or whatnot. They don't actually use any any of the characters, you know, names, so they don't get you know, but copyright you know. like that. But yeah, you know, it's called Tremors. T R E M E R Z for Christ's sake. And there's a bunch of little worm monster things busting out of the ground, and you know, you have all the different characters that you know are there obviously it's this is very cool man and that's something i always wanted to see as a game tremors as a video game would have been awesome you know i mean could you imagine a tremors mmo <laughs> no <Yeah. laughs> imagine a tremors mmo like i see rogers the dude in the bunker with the big ass freaking elephant gun you can be him 12 million know, players one town it'd be awesome oh yeah i know it'd be great all right. And with that, we are going to call it a wrap for tonight's episode. I'm going to try to have it up tomorrow as I have been lately, but if not, it will be up on Wednesday. Do not forget, next week is our Drunk Tart episode and it should be epic. This should be a ton of fun. And with the in-game stuff, which you are all invited to join us and have fun, it stands to be one of our funnest episodes. We are still going to have an actual episode, so if you're listening in, you will be able to listen to news and us chit-chatting about stuff. But we will also be doing our in-game stuff, which is just going to add to the hilarity. It's going to be, like I said, on the Warsong server. Um, We are not going to decide who gets which faction, which team gets which faction until the pre-show. So make sure to join us then. Choose your side, log on, create a character, and let's bring that realm down and have a blast. Until then, we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye. Hello everyone, this is Vince from MassiveNerd.net, bringing you my weekly Mass Effect 2 squad member biography. Please note, these features do contain spoilers, so if you have not finished the game yet, now is the time to stop listening. This week's character is the Asari Justicar, Samara. The Justicars fill an interesting role in Asari society. Much like the Citadel's Spectres, the Justicars operate outside the law, righting wrongs and eliminating evil. They swear oaths, giving up all possessions short of weapons and armor, as well as swearing to have no children or even romantic relationships. They strictly follow the Justicar Code, a list of moral obligations covering every possible situation the Justicar may find themselves in, and the correct way to react. Samara compares the Justicars and their strict adherence to their code to the samurai of feudal Japan or the knights of medieval Europe. The Justicars are brave, powerful warriors, a force for good, and are greatly respected by all in Asari-controlled space. They are, however, rarely seen outside Asari territory, so when one appeared on Ilium, Shepard could not pass up the opportunity to recruit her. Shepard makes contact with the Ilium police and finds out Samara is there investigating a recent murder. 
Shepard's contact, Detective Anaya, is not pleased with this, as Justicars tend to be a bit extreme in their methods. Anaya wants to see justice done, but doesn't want a trail of bodies. As an Asari, Anaya respects Samara, but has been ordered to detain the Justicar and prevent her from interfering with the investigation. Anaya knows that a confrontation with the Justicar cannot possibly end well for her, and asks Shepard to intervene and try to talk Samara into leaving. Shepard finds Samara at the crime scene, brutally interrogating the Eclipse mercenaries there. Samara explains that she did not come to Ilium to investigate the murder. She was merely in the right place at the right time. The Eclipse mercs helped smuggle a fugitive she was chasing off Ilium, and she will not leave until she learns the name of the ship they used. When Anaya shows up to take her into custody, Samara reveals that the Justicar Code requires her to follow the wishes of local law enforcement. She will willingly go with Anaya, but only for one day. After that point, the Code requires her to complete her mission, and she will escape Anaya's custody by any means necessary. An agreement is reached, allowing Shepard to investigate on Samara's behalf. If he can learn the name of the cargo ship, Samara will consider the Code satisfied and not only leave Ilium, but join Shepard against the Collectors as well. Shepard fights through the mercs, eventually taking down their leader. He not only learns the name of the ship, but also solves the murder. Anaya releases Samara, and Samara agrees to leave Ilium. Before she joins Shepard, the Code requires one more action on her part. She swears an oath, the third oath of subsumation, binding herself to Shepard. The oath allows Shepard's decisions to supersede the Code, freeing Samara to take any action Shepard desires. Samara promises, though, that if Shepard forces her to commit too many immoral acts, she will hunt and kill Shepard after her period of service is over. Though Samara dutifully follows Shepard in his fight against the Collectors, her original mission remains incomplete. She tells Shepard that she has tracked the cargo ship from Ilium to Omega, and she must act before the fugitive she was chasing can disappear once more. This begins Samara's loyalty mission, the Ardot Yakshi. Samara explains that the person she is after is what is known as an Ardot Yakshi among the Asari. Ardot Yakshi are genetic anomalies. They drain the life from their mates, killing them. While most Ardot Yakshi accept their fates and choose to live out their lives in solitude, the one she is chasing, known as Morinth, has become addicted to the act of killing and has spent her life traveling the galaxy, experiencing every pleasure life has to offer and leaving piles of corpses in her wake. Morinth must be stopped at all costs, but there is one more truth to be revealed. Morinth is Samara's daughter. When Shepard asks her about the Ardot Yakshi, Samara reveals that three of them are known to currently exist in the galaxy, and Samara gave birth to three daughters. It is not a coincidence. While Samara's other two daughters chose to live in seclusion, Morinth obviously did not. This is what led to Samara's decision to become a Justicar. Since she was responsible for Morinth's condition, she should be responsible for bringing an end to her crimes. Morinth likes to operate from the shadows, observing and selecting her prey. She seeks out those with a special spark of life, taking great pleasure in consuming and extinguishing that spark. Shepard possesses such a spark. Samara says Shepard is dangerous, powerful, and an artist on the battlefield, the perfect prey for Morinth. A plan is formulated using Shepard as bait to lure Morinth out into the open, giving Samara an opportunity to attack. Shepard makes his way to the VIP section of the Afterlife Club on Omega and starts interacting with the crowd, trying to impress Morinth. If he's successful, Morinth will invite Shepard back to her room and strike. Samara intervenes and takes Morinth out. There is no peaceful resolution to this confrontation. 
Morinth has already chosen her path, and Samara must end it. With Morinth no longer a threat, Samara can relax, knowing she has balanced the scales of her life. The evil she created has been eradicated, and she can live what life she has left without that burden. She continues conversing with Shepard, discussing the role of the Justicars in Asari society. She finds Shepard to be a kindred spirit. Again, Justicars have much in common with the Spectres. Like Samara, Shepard has a moral code and is willing to do anything to protect the innocent. Shepard and Samara grow closer together, eventually coming close to a romantic encounter. However, at the last moment, Samara breaks away, simply telling Shepard that she can't continue. Her oaths as a Justicar, as well as the knowledge that any of her offspring will likely be Ardat Yakshi, prevent Samara from ever having a relationship with anyone again. In an interesting twist, there is another outcome to Samara's loyalty mission. If Shepard possesses a strong enough will to resist Morinth's temptations, he will be able to influence the standoff between Samara and her daughter. If Shepard so chooses, he can help Morinth kill her mother. There is no risk in losing a party member, as Morinth will change her appearance, taking Samara's identity for her own. Only Shepard will ever know the truth. Morinth even performs the role of a romantic interest for Shepard. Morinth claims that Shepard possesses too strong of a will to perish during their mating. If both survive the attack on the Collector base, they can put the theory to test, though what are the odds of Morinth telling the truth? All the honor and justice in the galaxy count for absolutely nothing if Samara is unable to defend herself. While she is more than capable of using assault rifles with deadly accuracy, her strength obviously lies in her biotic capabilities. Pull and throw are relatively simple skills, but are plenty effective if upgraded to have a large area of effect. Granted, they're nowhere near as powerful and useful as Jack's Shockwave, but they work very well as a complement to other biotic users in your squad. Additionally, Samara possesses one of the best loyalty powers in the game with Reeve. Reeve damages enemies, preventing them from healing while restoring Samara's health at the same time. It is highly effective against both biotic barriers and armor, making the skill useful against any enemy short of Geth. Morinth has the same combat abilities as her mother, but replaces Reeve with Dominate, allowing her to take control of the mind of an organic enemy. While useful, it lacks the sheer power of Reeve. Regardless of your choice, both Asari are more than capable on the battlefield. Samara is unique among the Mass Effect 2 cast, as she is the only recruitment option that can result in two different characters joining the Normandy. Her loyalty mission is also one of only two in the game that is completed solely through dialogue. All this combined with her deep, thoughtful character makes Samara one of the most enjoyable crew members to get to know. See, look at, see this dude here? She ain't, she ain't gonna attack me. That's the beauty of being a horde doing this. Because when I did this section on the gnome, these bastards just kept killing me over and over and over. I didn't have to worry about no spiders or tigers. No, these green bastards. Look at this. I'm, I'm cruising through here. Level one. Cruising through as if not a care in the world. Check me out. I am in Swampasaurus. But uh, yeah, no, see, that's the thing too, because I was like wondering, okay, well, what the hell is, like, if I, I need to check whether or not you can spirit res on the other side of the portal and cheat. If so, we have to kind of agree that we're not going to do that. You know where we should have There's got to be a code of honor here. 
see the problem is, is we're going to be drinking, so I don't know how good that code of honor is going to last. It's gotta, it's gotta exist because what's going to happen is that I'm going to see when I get the video from both you and Rick whether or not <laughs> you guys did abide by the code of honor. Because if you didn't, there will be consequences. Oh yeah, I said it. Zigzagging doesn't work, Vince. Only in movies or when you're being shot at. <laughs> Not when there's Crocs on your tail. <laughs> he's deaking, he's deaking I want to see Sammy get dropped in the sewers in New York, having Crocs on his ass, zigzagging back and forth. I thought they proved that zigzagging does work. It's not in the game. <laughs> not in game. They teach, they teach us that shit in elementary school and fucking down here in Florida, man. I remember when I was a kid, they had like the wildlife guy come in and tell you about the ecology of Florida. And they were like, if you're in a, if your you know backyard is connected to a canal and you see an alligator, what should you do? Run in zigzags, then go up a tree. And I'm just thinking in my head, shit, dude. Am I really gonna see a gator? My grandmother's backyard as a lake. So like my entire childhood, I thought, oh shit, I'm looking for gators and crap. Getting practicing zigzagging through the hallway. Alligator wrestlers are badass. They're missing fingers. It's cool. One is missing fun. fingers. Cool. <laughs> I mean, why not just become a carpenter instead, and you'll have nice furniture to go with it. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, these guys are gonna kill me. But that's okay because I res at the the the, the what you call a shrine over there. Go ahead, kill me. I dare you. Go ahead, do it. Do it. There, I kept it. Oh, damn it. Missed it. <laughs> I guess I'm going back. <laughs> Geronimo. Oh, kiss my ass. I did it again. There's like a delay in what we are hearing in Skype versus what I'm seeing. And it is just funny to see. Get, like, you get so animated. And then I see what happened. <laughs> do you really you have, have to? to? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, he's right I made there. It. <laughs> he's thinking about it. Ah! <laughs> Run away. <laughs> See, you can get through. <laughs> oh, run away. <laughs> and now you're in a sanctuary oh. zone, so he can't touch you. That shit is funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, another one. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> uh, and um literally killed corpse running over and over and over again and hey what are you doing up here he's coming to get you he's coming to get you <laughs> he's red he is look at yeah that's a scary man Jeez, when you want someone to kill you, there's nobody around. Sam raises a good point. You're doing this sober. Oh, it'll be just as fast with a lot of drinks in me. Just a whole hell of a lot funnier. That's the only difference there. Oh, there you go. I got company. Kill me. Kill me now. Oh, beauty. <laughs> You're dead in fucking Outlands. That is so ridiculous. Boom, baby. The absurdity. See? So wow. we are not cheating, boys. We are not cheating here. Joe, I'm looking at you, all right? And You're not actually looking at me. Oh, nice I time. am. I am. And Tart, I'm looking at you, all right? No cheating. Because that would be bad. I don't need and to then cheat to kill you. Jeez. You, and then you're not going to get the prizes for winning. Oh, that's right, prizes. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, we're gonna start in a minute. I'm actually gonna take like a two minute. Oh no, no, no! You have me no. excited now. Oh well, yeah, yeah. We're gonna win. We're gonna, oh, yeah, you sound so excited. You can barely contain yourself. I gotta kill myself first. Massive crocodile attack. There's gotta be one here that'll kill me. There's one. Come here, you bastard. And smite you, and I die. <laughs> night, night. <laughs>